Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at www.cwcsj.org for service times and directions. I'm going to ask that if you could just please continue to remain standing. Give yourself a round of applause because you made it through 2012. There may have been times where you thought you weren't going to make it, but you're still here. There may have been times where you felt like, you know what, I don't know how I'm going to take another step, but you're still standing. Give yourself and give God a great round of applause because his grace and his mercy and his faithfulness is always enduring. And I'm going to declare this over your life right now, just as God declared this over my heart just a few weeks ago, that I'm not going to let you finish any other way but strong. And I believe today God is going to speak to you through the word of God, and he's not going to let you finish this year any other way but strong. Because if you can finish the year strong, you'll start 2013 with a bang. Well, go ahead and break out your iPhones and your your, your whatever devices you have right now and open up with me to the book of 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. I lost my voice in the first service. It's a miracle. I got it back. But I'm fully prepared to lose it all over again. Come on, somebody. I want to thank Pastor Dan for allowing me to be able to preach and grace his pulpit. I do not take this lightly. And to finish this year for us, it's, it's an amazing, amazing thing to me. Second Kings chapter 7, how many of you have it? If you don't have it, it's up on the screen. And it says, then Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus said the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this be? And Elisha responded. And he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. Today I want to speak to you from the subject, it's not over. That maybe in 2012 you find yourself in a place where your finances feel like they're in a famine. But I want to tell you today under the power of the Holy Ghost that it's not over. 
that maybe your marriage find itself in a place where it feels extremely difficult. There's strife in the home. There's battles in the home. Your children are acting up and you just feel the chaos of life and the pressures of life. And life is trying to tell you that it's over. I'm going to tell you that it's not over. I'm trying to tell you that even though it gets dark and even though it feels like it's, it's done, like you can never get back to what you lost or you can never get back to where you were, that it's not over. That any time God is in it, God is in it so that you can win it and that it's never over. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now, God. And I believe, God, that someone's vision in this place, God, today is going to be restored. I believe, God, that somebody, God, is going to discover, God, their purpose all over again. God, I believe that somebody, God, is going to have a dream, God, that is resuscitated, God. I believe, God, that somebody, that a home, God, is going to be restored today, God, that a marriage, God, is going to be able to see, God. I believe, God, that a man, God, and a woman, God, that a child, that a that a family, God, is going to become revolutionary today. I believe, God, that we, God, are not just going to to just walk into 2013, God, but we're going to finish 2012, God, strong, God, because you have declared it over our lives, and we're not going to finish any other way but strong today. We just thank you, God, for your word, God. I pray that it would go out in strength and might, Lord, and that you would give me the ability, God, to be able to speak, God, to your people today. In Jesus' name, and we all say, you may take your seats. If any of one of you are friends with me on Facebook or if you follow me on Twitter, you'll notice that I'm the kind of person that likes to take pictures of food. And matter of fact, my kids just caught up to my food pics. I had more pictures of, 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 of food than I had of my kids at one point. But thank, thank God, son, you, you caught up now, okay? So that's a good thing. But I, always, I love taking pictures of food because I love eating food. I love to enjoy the company of, that we, you know, we be able to, we're able to share. And, and most recently, I just went out to uh, Cuban uh, to a Cuban restaurant. In fact, last week, how many of you like Cuban food? Anybody like Cuban food? Some some lechon asado, you know. I mean, some. Uh, it's anyway. You guys, it's so good. And you know, I had this Cuban food last week at a restaurant, and one of the first pictures that I took was a picture of this little Cuban espresso that I ordered first. It came in this cute little glass or this cute little you know cup. And I put some sugar in this thing, and I mixed it, and I said to myself, man, this thing is super strong. I mean, this thing was so, so thick. I went ahead, and I drank the, the Cuban espresso first. And if you're like me, you don't eat anything during Sundays until it's lunchtime. And, and, and you, don't, you don't drink anything until it's lunchtime unless it's coffee. And so I had this Cuban espresso and we ate dinner and or we ate lunch and and we proceeded with dessert. And, you know, I ordered my guava cheesecake. Everybody said, "Mm, mm, mm." when all of a sudden what happened is that I began to have this tremendous, like just dizziness come across me. And I, I, I felt extremely, extremely weak and fatigued. It began to freak me out. And I began to feel my heart palpitate. It was, it, was, it was just beating rapidly. And I could feel it just going like, like crazy. That, that, that same moment, my face turned widow. 
For those of you that don't know Spanish, that means white. And I didn't have any color, and my wife began to worry, and she's like, you know, and, I, and, and it got so bad. I don't know if you've ever been there, but you stand up because you think that's going to help you. And she's just like, no, sit down, because I don't want you to fall. And my dad was there with me, and I could feel my dad even praying, and he doesn't pray. <laughs> and I, I just like, you know, I, and, and to, to make a long story short, I wasn't having a heart attack or a stroke or anything like that. It was just the caffeine that, that I was had. It was just, I had caffeine intoxication is what they call it, right? Amateur, Pastor Dan is saying. That was some strong stuff. But all I could think when this was taking place, am I having a heart attack? Am I dying? Is it over? One of the most devastating feelings that we can ever encounter in life is when we feel like something is over. In fact, in 2 Kings chapter 4, as we, or chapter 7, as we had just read, in this story, Israel finds himself in a place where they feel like it is over. They find themselves surrounded by a force. Everybody say force. They find themselves surrounded by an enemy force that is literally encamped around them. And so the, the gates of the city are literally closed. They're shut up. Nobody goes in and nobody goes out. And here, are, are, here is this city that is pretty much locked down by a force. And what does this cause? This has caused the people to have fear. Everybody say fear. And they're gripped with fear. Their hearts are gripped with fear. Their dreams are held back by fear. Their hopes are held back by fear. All they have is to worry about living another day. And the last thing that has starts to happen is that the Bible says that, they, that a famine begins to take over the city. Because nothing can come in and nothing can go out. And so what happens is that they begin to get to a place of desperation where it, it literally is beginning to look like it's over. That's it. We're done. Nothing else is good. We're just going to sit here and we're going to die. But the Bible says that there's four men in this story that begin to have a conversation. And these men were not men of military might. They were not leaders. They were not men that were, you know, men that had a position, but they were men that actually were lepers. They were men that nobody should look to for hope. They were men that were, were sick in body, in health. Matter of fact, they weren't even allowed to live in the city, nor were they even feared by their enemy. And these four men began to have a conversation. And the conversation we find in 2 Kings chapter 7 and they began to have this conversation, and the most revolutionary thought comes out of this conversation. The thought that comes out of this conversation, I believe, is a thought that you and I have to take home with us today. And this single thought began to, to take place, and they, they, this single thought and this single conversation began to transform the situation that they were living in. And here is what they said. Why are we sitting here waiting to die. In other words, I know we're sick. I know the enemy is around us. I know that there's no hope in the city. I know that 
we are, are, are hopeless. I know that this situation looks bleak, but something tells me that it's not over. And so they began to have this conversation. Why are we waiting here to die? I believe that this, this story is found in the scriptures and it's highlighted to remind you and I that there may be situations, circumstances, problems and storms in your life that feel like it's over. Your marriage might feel like it's over. Your finances may have suffered a famine. Your problems may seem like they're overcoming you. The the fault or the failure that you've experienced in your life has caused shame to ruin your life. The pain that you feel in your heart feels like it's dark. The situation that you feel like is, is overcoming you feels like it's over. But I'm here to tell you today that, you know what, if you could just begin to believe in your heart, if you can just begin to let something stir in your heart, if you can just begin to say, you know what, I'm not going to sit here any longer. I'm not going to sit here and die. I'm not going to let my marriage die, my home die, my family die, my finances die. I'm not going to let my business die, my dreams die, my vision die. Matter of fact, I'm not waiting here to die anymore because it's not over. You see, you've got another round in you. You're not done yet. God's not done yet. God still has something for you to do, for you to see, for you to become. There's a blessing on the other side of your breakthrough. And if you just stay obedient, if you just stay the course, if you just follow God, and if you just give him every single part of your life, I guarantee you, you will see the windows of heaven open up over your home and over your marriage and over your finances and over your entire life. More, you know what? Let me tell you something, CWC. For those that call this your church, for, this, for those that call this your place of worship. I want to tell you that CWC's best days are not behind them, but they are ahead of them. That we still got more places to reach. We still got more campuses to open. We still got more people to transform, neighborhoods to transform. There's still more songs, Troy, for you to sing. More sermons, Pastor Dan, for you to preach. Our best days are not behind us, but our best days are ahead of us. You're not ready to die. It's absolutely not over. This one statement, I'm not ready to die, became a conviction for these four unlikely heroes. The conviction became an action. And as we read later in the story, these four men who decided they were no longer going to sit and die, got up and went into an enemy's camp. And they saw a miracle take place. And they walked away with the plunder of the enemy. And the word of the Lord, the Lord declared by Elisha came true. I believe that the Lord wants to direct you to this today. To remind you that it's not over. Listen to this. You were never created to exist like it's over. But you were created to live as an overcomer. Your problems were never meant. Your problems were never meant to destroy you. The addiction was never meant to, 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 to be something in your life that rules your life. Your, 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 the storms, the pains, the anguish, the hurts, the different situations that maybe you have gone through even this year. 
They were not there to hold you back, but they were there to propel you. Listen to this. Over says you're done. You're finished. You will never get back to where you were before. But an overcomer says this storm will come to an end. It's not permanent. Over keeps failure in front. But an overcomer uses failure only as a stepping stone. Over uses fear and intimidation to hold you back. But an overcomer uses faith and determination to push you forward. I believe that today, if somebody would just get this in their spirit, if somebody, if a man would get this into his heart, that if a family could just get this into their home, where that you would believe again that it's not over. It doesn't matter if you had just $23 in the bank, just like me, just a few days ago. I believe that God can make a way in your life to where you can see God move in a way like you've never seen before. I believe that you can see your marriage restored, your relationships come back together, your house healed, your home moving forward. I believe that no matter what situation, no matter how dark it gets, and no matter how much the enemy tries to tell you, you that it's over. If somebody could just get this in their spirit today, that I'm not going to sit here any longer, that I believe that my best days are ahead of me, that you would begin to see God resurrect things that you think are dead. I want to give you five challenges today that I believe will help you overcome the feeling and the pressure and the mindset of something feeling like it's over. Especially when God is trying to push you and stir you and declare that it's not over in your life. Five challenges that I want to give you. And I want to encourage you to write these things down. The first thing that I want to challenge you about is this. Is it's, it's not over until you recapture God's vision for your life. God's preferred future for your life is the single greatest thing that you and I cannot afford to live without. God's vision for your life is of utmost importance. In fact, the Bible tells us that without vision, people what? They perish. Notice it says people, not just a single person, not just one individual, but it says people. Why? Because without vision in a home, man, husband, man of God, without vision in your home, your family suffers. Without vision in a marriage, there is strife in the marriage. Without vision in, uh, uh, in your finances, you'll never have money to pay for things. Without vision in your dreams, your dreams will just be great thoughts without wills. Without vision in a ministry, we only get to a certain level. Without vision for your heart, then you cannot see when it's dark. The thing about it is the Bible says is that without vision, people... Ma- people perish. And the enemy works extremely hard to make sure that you cannot see. How is this proved? It's proved in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 11. In the story of King Nahash, who was an enemy king who was going against the children of Israel. The Bible says that the children of Israel wanted to make a peace treaty so that he would not kill them. And so King Nahash made this agreement with them. It's fine. I will keep you alive. But here's what you've got to do. You've got to allow me to pluck out the eyes of every man, the right eye of every single man here in this city. Here's the thing about this. Here's what this means. In those days, the soldiers and the army, the, might, the men of might, would fight with their right 
with their swords in their right hand. And their, their shields were carried in their left hand. So how would that look if somebody has an eye that is plucked out from their right side and a shield covering their left? You see, the enemy works very, very hard to destroy your vision so that you cannot fight. Because somebody that doesn't have vision doesn't know what to fight for anymore. And I believe that today that God is going to restore somebody's vision. God's going to put a fight back into you for your home. God is going to put a fight back into you for your marriage. Come on, somebody. God is going to put a fight in you for your anointing, for your destiny, for your children, for everything that is rightfully yours. God is going to put a fight back in you. Why? How? Because he's going to restore your vision again. It's not over until you recapture God's vision again for your life. Number two, it's not over until you discover the purpose behind your pain. We all go through difficulties in life. We all go through hurts and through failures and through pain. In fact, if you look at Psalm 42, verse 3, I don't have it on the screen, but listen to these words that were written by David. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. Well, they continually say to me, where is your God? Have you ever had a problem that is said, where is your God? Have you ever had a situation that says, where is your God? Have you ever had a pain in your heart and in your mind that says, where is your God? If you aren't careful, pain can easily become your prison when it was really meant to be your platform. It will trap you from your destiny, holding you back on experience all that God has for you and I. You see, here's the fact of the matter when it comes to life. You and I can either cope in life with pain or you can hope from within it. David, in the very same scripture, said this. But David said, and why, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Here's why choosing hope is so important for you and I. Because in every miracle, there lies a mess. And within every mess, there lies a message. The sad thing about people and the sad thing about you and I when it comes to pain is we want to run from it when we experience it. We don't want to get near it. We want to avoid it. We come to church to even avoid it. But the fact of the matter is this, is that there is a message behind your pain. Matter of fact, if you could just slow down and ask God, God, what is it that you're going to do with this? I guarantee you this, that you will find a purpose behind your pain. There must be a reason why you have lasted this long. There must be a reason why you have shed so many tears and yet you find yourself still with the ability to sing to God. There must be a reason why you find yourself in a place where God has sustained you and God has, has, has brought you and protected you and provided for you. There must be a reason. There must be another thing for you on the other side of this storm. Listen to me. You owe it to yourself to discover the purpose behind your pain. You owe it to yourself to understand why it is that you went through the things that you went through. You owe it to yourself to be able to discover the reason, the message, the, the, the vision behind everything that you've gone through. I guarantee you this. Pain is not your enemy. 
It's really just a driving force to propel you. How many have ever used a Brita water filter? A Brita water filter is this pitcher. You pour water into it from the sink and you pour water and it goes through a filtration process of, of carbon and it comes out with pure water once it goes through the drip. And you know, suffering and pain are a lot like the spiritual Brita process. Because you go through things in life and, you, and, and all pain does is it filters out everything that God wants to bring out of you. When you get through that process, and, he, and yeah, trust me, sometimes it feels long, and sometimes it feels grueling, and sometimes it's just a drip, a drip, a drip, if you've ever used one of those. But the thing about it is when you're done with the process, what people see is pure Jesus. What you see is pure purpose. What you live is pure vision. What you have is pure hope. So the pain that you've endured in life is not there to put you in a prison, but it's there to propel you. And you owe it to yourself to discover the reason, the, the purpose behind your pain. Number three, it's not over until you have conquered what has conquered, to, what has conquered you. Listen to me, parents. Listen to me, leaders. Listen to me, husbands and, and, and fathers and wives and mothers. Listen to me, aunt and uncle. You that are older then, 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 then you, know, you have some, some children that are looking up to you. Listen to this. Whatever you do not overcome as a parent, whatever you do not overcome as a leader, whatever you do not overcome as a grandparent, as a, as, as a, as a father, as a husband, as a mother, as a wife, whatever you do not overcome, you leave for your children to fight. And too many times in America today, we see children who have become incarcerated because dad didn't conquer what conquered granddad. Too many times we see children succumb to death at a young age because someone did not overcome the spirit of anger. Too many times we see poverty take place in a family's life like a pattern over a generation of a family because nobody got into the ring to fight. Stay in the ring. Don't give up. It's not over. You're not ready to die. You've got too much to fight for. Your children are depending on you. How much do you need to fight? You need to fight because they're worth it. You need to fight because their battles are not supposed to be your battles. Come on, somebody. You got to beat the addiction, dad. You got to beat the addiction, dad. You got to beat the anger, dad. Mom, you got to beat the discouragement, the depression. You've got to beat the, the addiction to pills. Or, or pornography. You got, you've got to beat the addiction. Stay in the fight with your giant and take him out like David did. I guarantee you this. If you could just get it into your spirit, if you could just get it into your spirit and begin to have a conversation with yourself that something tells me that I'm not ready to die. It's not over until I conquer what has conquered me you got to conquer what's been conquering you. Don't live another day taking another beating from the enemy. Don't live another day taking another beating from an addiction. Don't live another day taking a beating from anger and bitterness and strife. Number three. Or did I just do number three? I'm on number four. 
It's not over until you restore broken relationships. One of the biggest problems we see in America and even the church are people who have experienced pain, discord, and bitterness because of strained relationships. And I'm not just talking about strained relationships with your friend or, you know, she said something about you on Facebook or whatever. What I'm talking about is the relationships between your kids, the relationships with your mom, with your dad, with your immediate family members. Listen to me. You can have a promise, you can have favor, and you can have a dream over your life. You can sing the songs, read the Bible, and you can say everything that is good to say about God. But that does not take away your responsibility in your relationships. Look at Joseph. The Bible says he had a dream. He had favor on his life. He had a promise. But it still pain because of his brothers entered into the home and he found himself in a pit. Eventually found himself into a prison. But he didn't let the prison stop him. He didn't let the pit stop him. And he found some way to find a way to restore relationship with his brothers and with his father. One night while I was in Hawaii, I received a text message. And the text message was from my mom. She was saying that my father was um, not doing very well. He was looking for a way to be able to get out to Hawaii to visit me. And um, you got to understand the degree of severity that this was taking place. It was supposed to be his last trip. If you understand that, the enemy was saying it's over. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I didn't know really how to process it. Because my dad and I haven't had the greatest of relationships. And I felt like things were not done yet. It wasn't over. And so I began to just pray about the situation, pray for my father. And the Lord told me, I want you to honor him when he comes. Weeks later, my dad ended up getting cleared by the doctor to be able to visit us in Hawaii. And it was while, there, while he was there that I was going through a very tough time. I was going through some things that were causing a lot of discouragement and depression in my life. And hope came from the most unlikely place. It came from a relationship that was strained, a relationship with my dad. And he began to just speak into my life and began to encourage me. I felt like my father was ministering to me. I could feel the Holy Spirit literally using my father to speak into my life. And God began to make a change in my heart and began to allow me to see some things in my life that I didn't even know needed to be healed. And it made a game-breaking change in, in everything that I do now because I realized that I couldn't be a good son. I couldn't be a good father unless I was a, a good son. I realized that, you know what, that if I'm going to be a great father to my kids, that I had to be a good son to my dad, that I had to restore honor back into my home, that I had to make sure that I forgot about the past. And not only that, but I took time to honor my father. You see, you can't say you forgive somebody if you can't honor them. An honor means that you put them in a place to where there was never an offense. Yeah, there was abuse in my home. Yeah, there was things that went on in my house when I was younger. Yeah, dad walked out. But you know what? I love my dad. And I believe God wanted that situation to take place. Yeah, that's a good thing. And there was restoration that took place in my life. I believe, let me ask you this. 
who do you have to call today? What, who, what person do you have to reach out to? Parents, what do you have to say to your children to be able to restore something that maybe was said? What is it that you need to recover back in your home? I think that it's high time that we get it into our spirit that it's not over in my home, that I'm not going to let my family die, that I'm not going to let this relationship die, that it can't end like this. I believe that it's time to take care of family business. I believe it's time to take care of the issues of the heart. I believe that it's time that you succeed and that you have a freedom in your spirit to be able to say, you know what? I'm forgiven and I can forgive and there is no more bitterness, no more anger, no more hate. I am no longer, I'm no longer a victim of the pain of this situation. You got to be able to understand that it's not over until you can restore relationships that have been broken. Number five, it's not over until you've asked God for a second chance. The Bible is filled with stories about people who needed a second chance. A deliverer in Moses needed a second chance because he murdered someone. David, who was a king, needed a second chance because of an affair and murder. The woman at the well who needed a second chance because she had five husbands and she had another one that wasn't even her own. Peter, who denied Jesus three times, needed a second chance. Sometimes we get so lost in the pain, so lost in the shame, so lost in the failure, and so bombarded by pain that it's hard to ask God for a second chance. And God is standing there right before you every single day, not just with a handout, but with arms wide open saying, won't you give me another chance in your life? And if you could just look past the pain, the failure, the hurts, you might have messed up even last night. If you could look past all of that, if you could look past what somebody has done to you, has hurt you, maybe mentally or, or, or sexually, physically, if you could get past everything that is telling you in life that it's over, if you could just begin to get in your spirit and begin to have a conversation in your heart, why am I here waiting to die? If you could just get an urgency in your heart that I'm not willing to let my life die. I'm not willing to let my heart die. I'm not willing to let my marriage die, my dream die, my vision die, my anointing die. I'm not willing to let my finances die. I'm not willing to let what you have called to live, God, die. 
something tells me that it's not over. If you could just get this in your spirit today, you will end this year strong and you will see God open up the windows of heaven in your life. And just like Elisha said, at this time tomorrow, somebody is on the brink of their breakthrough. Don't give up. Somebody is on the brink of your breakthrough. Don't give up. Trust me. Trust me when I say this. If you could just hold on just a little longer, I guarantee you this, that you will see dead things come back to life. You will see things that have been broken come back together. You will see God do a miracle in your home, in your finances, in your marriage, in your ministry, in your entire life. You will see God do a miracle the very same way he did in 2 Kings chapter 4. But it all starts with one thing. A conviction. A determination. An attitude. Maybe even a little anger that says something tells me that it's not over. It's not over. It's not over for your marriage. It's not this addiction is not going to kill you. You're going to kill it. This, this hopelessness, this poverty, this, this discouragement, this depression, this, this storm, this problem, this, this weight, this, this situation of unforgiveness and bitterness and anger and hatred and, and hurt and sexual um, pain because of, of something that somebody did for you, the molestation, the affair, the, the problem that's not going to kill you. It's not you're going to kill it. You're going to overcome. You're going to make it something tells me that somebody's going to get it in their spirit today and somebody's going to get a vision and somebody's going to find the purpose behind their pain and somebody's going to have a relationship that gets restored and somebody is going to be able to overcome what's overcome them and it all starts with just asking God for a second chance would you just bow your heads with me today thank you for downloading this message for more information on our church visit us at www.cwcsj.org.